Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. So what is surveillance art? We're going to hear all about it on today's Big Blend Radio Toast to the Arts and Parks show with Hassan Ilahi. He is the current National Parks Arts Foundation artist in residence at the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, which is on the other side, away from the lava flow. Um, we also have Tanya Ortega. She's the founder of the National Parks Arts Foundation. She's back on the show. And, you know, we always talk about how the National Parks Arts Foundation is open to all mediums of art, uh, when it, whether it's poetry, music, film, uh, dance, you name it. And uh, also that their residences are, residencies, excuse me, are super unique. Uh, we're talking about, you know, staying out in New Mexico at Chaco Canyon or out in Dry Tortugas on an island or a volcano. You know, this is definitely unique. And today um, we're definitely going to explore that with Hassan and also Tanya. I encourage you to go to Tanya's website, nationalparksartsfoundation.org, to learn more about the organization, especially if you're an artist, and sign up for the newsletter so you can get notice of these amazing opportunities. Uh, Tanya, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? So doing good, doing good. So I know we're recording this for our September show, but I do want our audience to know um, that we're about to have a nice monsoon storm here in Tucson, but apparently you're getting some big wind in Hawaii. So <laughs> I know that you may have to disappear, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's true. I'm, I might have to go and I apologize in advance if I do, but you know, that's the price of being in paradise. You got to you gotta kind of roll with the punches of the weather, the lava, you know, that kind of thing. So thank you. Okay. And we've also got Hassan here. Hassan, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Uh, oh, it's, um, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm thinking I was in paradise and now I'm facing a, a potentially 150 mile an hour wind coming directly at this point from what it looks like on the map. Wow. 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 So this is, you know, what's so interesting is that we can watch you on your website. Uh, so everybody, if you go to elahi.org, um, it's E-L-A-H-I.org. Um, you know, it was so fascinating, you know, all these years of looking at um, your life of then knowing where you are. So it's so cool because we always talk about the beautiful B&B or the art B&B that you're staying in, uh, this beautiful vacation house. And uh, so it's changed over the last few days for you, unfortunately. Um, so that's yeah, well, it's, no, sir. Go ahead. No, I mean it's it's an absolutely beautiful place, and it's beautiful sunshine and and beautiful breeze. Except the breeze is a little strong right now, considering what's heading this direction. <laughs> so we appreciate both of you joining us. Asan, I, I wanted to start with you um, talking about your art because it is completely different. Um, now you've always been an artist. Yeah, you know, uh, going back, you know, 20, 25 years, uh, at least on a, on a professional level-ish. Mm -hmm. and, um, and a lot of the work that I've always been doing has always been related to ideas of citizenship and migration and, and uh, in, well, and ideas of technology and how that, how we live in between technology, between an analog and digital world. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been working on for over the years. I don't really affiliate my practice with a specific medium or a technique, uh, but it really is about these broad ideas and how the way those ideas are represented in uh, visual form. 
yeah, this is a it's a good time to be talking about this for sure. Uh, but your uh, work uh, definitely got some exposure because apparently you you uh, I was going to say you got exposed for uh, not doing anything, but actually ended mm -hmm. up on the FBI's list. And this is interesting because I know with us starting our shows, internet shows, we were one of the first podcasters on Blog Talk Radio, and um, we were putting up our our uh, you know, our podcast on our website and everything. And we had different websites per show. And it's really interesting. We were watching your TED Talks and you're talking about, you know, who's looking at your site and things like that and what would pull up. And we had like Homeland Security, you know, they would watch our, or like watch our website for our Champagne Sunday show, which is just like art and champagne. And then we had a whole political website, Rance Raves and Rock and Roll, and they didn't care about they that. They didn't even watch it. It's really <laughs> odd. <laughs> I don't know who, what, and where, but uh, for some reason, Homeland Security liked us. I, I don't know if I yeah, should I mean, be saying that. <laughs> isn't it great that they that they appreciate uh, champagne? I think yeah, it's, I, I think, think it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> that they... it's, I think possibly because um, we spent so many years in Africa that maybe we got on the list. I don't know. Maybe it's because we call the White House sometimes on our shows. Oh, well, that, well, so. <laughs> well, we thought we'd teach people yeah. how to call the White House and, and say, hey, we want this change made, and then maybe that's why. Yeah, well, there's something wrong with that. Well, <clears throat> you know. Or, or, I mean, I know this sounds really off the wall, but the CIA could be looking to rebrand and start their own um, champagne, not named Champagne TM, of course. <laughs> But uh, I've never seen CIA champagne wine or champagne, and so I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there, 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 there is a, there is a winery in Virginia uh, that's, that bears the name of the current president, not too far from the CIA offices. Interesting. <laughs> I think we should go watch. <laughs> so this is a, this FBI thing. I mean, because I know you're a world traveler and a foodie, looking at all your food photos that you've taken over the years of pretty much every meal, right? Um, it's a, you, you could have quite a hungry experience. But uh, tell us what happened and how you just started. You started documenting, and now it's it's turned into this whole other form, and and you know just a yeah. whole other way of interacting too. Yeah, you know, it's it, when I when I first started this project, it was the the last thing on my mind was I'm making an art project. I mean, it was a very pragmatic reaction of what an artist would do had uh, had one been placed in such a situation. So basically, what happened is shortly after 9/11, I was reported as a terrorist. There was an erroneous report sent in, uh, and that said an Arab man had fled on September 12th was hoarding explosives. Uh, never mind, I'm not Arab. Never mind, it wasn't the 12th. Never mind, there were no explosives. But, you know, if you see something, say something, even if you don't actually see it and you see it in your head. So the authorities received this bogus report. And because of this, I had to spend the next six months of my life justifying every moment of my existence to the FBI, uh, convincing them that I'm not a terrorist. You know, we we have this premise that, you know, you're you're innocent until proven guilty, but not with a magic wand of of terrorism and national security. It's the other way around where you actually have to prove that, that you are innocent. So um that whole process took about six months and at the during this whole time, uh after that, you know, um I, I had to go through all these polygraphs and everything and the FBI at the end said, Hey, everything's okay. And I was like, I know everything's okay. That's what I've been trying to tell you all along. Guys, um, 
I travel a lot. Uh, what do we do when the next time this happens and, and you know, somebody, uh, if, if something happens and how do we avoid this in the future? And that was the moment that the FBI agent that was working with this said, here's some phone numbers. Uh, if you get into trouble, give us a call. We'll take care of it. So ever since then, I would contact my FBI agent and let, let him know what I was doing, what I was up to, not in terms of because I had to, but because I chose to, I, I decided to preemptively tell him, hey, I'm not doing anything shady. I'm just here doing my thing. Just uh, going to this, uh, this store. I'm going to go buy some, I'm going to go buy these uh, cans of soup or whatever. And, uh, and then those, those emails and I'm sorry, those phone calls got turned to emails and then they, those emails got longer and longer and longer. And then they got pictures added with them and there'd be websites that I'd make for my FBI agent. And, and then I would send photos of everything that I was doing. And then, they got, then, then I had one of these moments of like, well, wait a minute. Oh, and uh, oh, well, the interesting thing is I would, I would write him like pages and pages and pages. I'd write him like thousands of words. And he would always write back, thank you, be safe. So was a, you know, was a, I think they should be paying you in champagne for all the work Yeah, I mean, it was, kind of, it, was, it was such an unbalanced relationship. Here I'm thinking I'm connecting with them. Here I'm thinking that, you know, this you know, that we're having this meaningful connection, but all I got is four words. So, you know, I felt kind of, kind of, uh, you know, I was kind of jilted by that. So I decided, you know what, why is this FBI agent so special? Why am I telling just him everything? And that's when I decided to open up everything. Um, and really what's happening is that, you know, obviously I have an FBI file, um, but how thorough were they uh, in, in, in taking down every bit of information? So, if I take, if I know what I told them, and if I take that information and I give it to you directly, then you have every bit of information that the FBI has. And what that basically does is it devalues their entire currency because it's, the, you know, the reason their information has value is because no one else has access to it and they spend an enormous, en enormous amount of energy and resources keeping that information secret. Oh, but, wow, but uh, on exclusivity, that's exactly it. It's the exclusivity ex of it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the restricted access to it that makes it valuable. And by flooding the market, by literally borrowing the simplest of all principles of economics of supply and demand, uh, you're basically devaluing their entire currency. Now, I, I understand completely on an individual basis, this is purely symbolic. But if billions of people do this, it, it forces an entire restructuring of our entire intelligence agencies and what we use as priority for information you know, and what we value. Because it, it, well, it's actually really interesting because I remember after September 11th and then there was the whole um, everything is going to be tracked. Was it the Patriot Act or something like that? Mm -hmm. I can't remember yeah. all that. And everybody... I mean, there's just so many little acts out here that I have to keep up with them. But and everybody freaking out, the government's watching us, and it's this big conspiracy thing. To, and I'm going, how the heck are they ever going? I mean, it, nothing's being kept up with anyway. How are they going to keep up with that? How are they going mm -hmm. to watch us all? You know, do they really? Yeah. I mean, and what yeah. are they going to do? And look at social media now. Basically, mm -hmm. yes, everything's out there. Yes. You know, if you're going to put anything on Facebook, I don't care. It's you've now given it away to the public just yes. consider yes. it done absolutely yeah you know totally. we've 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 become we've become our own big brothers through social media yeah. and yeah. and one of the things that happens is it's interesting because when i first started this project you know this is 
going on 17 years now. Uh, and it's also interesting looking at what the project means meant then versus what it means now. You know, 17 years ago, people were telling me, don't show up at my house you know, or, or, or don't come near me because I don't want to be monitored. And now, you know, I'll, I'll show the project and every now and then I'll, I'll get this response of like, I don't get this. What's the big deal? This looks like my Instagram feed. So how normalized self-surveillance has become and how we don't even realize when we're doing this. This, is, this has become so commonplace. Uh, I think this is, some, this is a huge shift in culture. Now, 17 years ago, this idea of putting so much information out to be anonymous, it worked because it, it was still some, somewhat of an analog process. And it was also a different analog culture. These days with machine learning and machine uh, intelligence, all of this information is, you know, it's not meant for human consumption. It's meant for machine consumption. And, and they can read and run through this information a lot faster than a human being. So wow. that's a huge shift in culture that we're seeing, the shift from the analog uh, intelligence agency to the digital uh, uh, the, the, the algorithms which are deciding what is, what is important and what isn't. And that is far, far more difficult to, uh, to, uh, to hide from your digital footprint. Yeah. So basically, yeah, they are, they can read and track and they can listen to our shows, you know, because they, I mean, it, there's, they can. And so, yeah, we have changed and, and it, it, think about it. I mean, back to September 11th to now where we are, yeah. um, look how fast things have actually changed you know, overnight from going with what you're doing with your website and taking a photo all the time. And it would, it goes, you would do it like you would have to actually physically upload the photo at those, at those days, right? Yeah. When you put it on your website. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was I, I, I had, I had, uh, was it well, it was right the early, you know, it's no, it was, yeah. it was early, during the early stages of it. Well, it's gone through so many, uh, the, the project has gone through so many iterations because of the technology has changed so much over the years. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is, it's really amazing to see how much our world and how much our daily lives have changed over this. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. This is, this is interesting. And then some of the art that I've seen of yours, um, where you've, you've put it together, like almost like a collage where you could, you know, it's, it's like, I've never seen anything like it. Let's put it that way, <laughs> which I love, I love it when there's something I've never seen, you know, and that's what art is about. Um, and it makes you really think of like, how much you've done like when you all your photos are put together in those pieces like you realize just how much you've done that's a lot yeah that's a lot of food yeah, and so, a lot of toilets that you photograph <laughs> yes well because you know I've, I've sent all these all these uh photos so basically i've, I've documented my life every few moments right. and, and 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 it's very important that it's not a set finite amount of time because this is where i come i i have control over what I consider a change in location or change in, in condition. So all of these, uh, all these data points, all these markers are then photographed and then uploaded. Uh, back in the early days of this project, I mean, I was basically using the digital equivalent of duct tape, of putting this camera with this GPS unit, with this laptop, with this type of uh, connectivity. Now it's, now it's essentially an iPhone app. And actually, your iPhone or, or your Android phone, your, just to say your smartphone, is far, far, far more sophisticated technologically in tracking you than my software ever could. Mm. 
Mm. So it's already happening. We're all doing this. I think, I think a really important thing to, to uh, keep in mind is how much our world has changed between not, not only from September 11th to today, say 2001, but if you go backwards, if you go backwards mm. from 2000, uh, 20, September 11, 2001, and if you go 17 years backwards, you end up in 1984. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I okay, mean, you know, it's absolutely true. Interesting. Funny. Yeah, we just did an interview with a gentleman, Neil Killian, yeah. um, who talks mm -hmm. about life cycles. He's, he's on his mm -hmm. third book. Yeah. And how everything goes in um, the, the the years of it's twelve years, like certain things happen in stages to yeah. people, and how it's all connected. It's kind of crazy, yeah. but it it, it yeah. makes you think. He he took the biographies of famous people like Napoleon, and looked at mm -hmm. his, when he had his biggest defeats and his biggest wins, and everything was every twelve years. And then there was a little offshoot of every seven years, things don't go all that well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you look at that cycle, I mean, okay, so we're talking about how different our culture is today. Uh, but if you go 17 years back from that, that was the first time the space shuttle made its launch. Or this was, you know, 1984, the, uh, this is when we uh, boycotted the Olympics in Moscow. Wow. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is. This, this, I'm getting tripped out with all these interviews, all this kind yeah. of thing. Now I'm starting to like, whoa, this is it's trippy. That's trippy. But, but it takes thinking, you know, and I think it's, I've learned this just in, uh, you know, photography and walking and, and, you know, we photograph, you may be walking, photograph as you go, as you go. And, and rarely do we turn yeah. back, like turn around and look backwards. And every time yeah. you look backwards, you see something completely new and a new, like you may suddenly see the sunrise. You may see, you know, a different bug or whatever. But it, yeah. we oftentimes don't kind of unravel things by going backwards. We keep going forward yeah. because we are, you know, human beings. We're like ants. We just keep, you know, keep doing, keep doing. Um, but going backwards is key. That's interesting. That's yeah. really fascinating. And, and and what this project has allowed me to do is really, I mean, I've been doing this project for what half my adult life now, mm. uh, a third of my, more than a third of my, of my entire life since birth. So I've had this real um, privilege to be able to look backwards and look at what the project meant at one point in time and what it means today. So a lot of what's happening, a lot of what I'm interested in is this idea of camouflage or, or literally hiding in plain sight. Uh, with data, uh, you know, with, with, you know, what part of the data is important, what part isn't. And really what happens is when I'm putting up this much information, all visual information, uh, there is significant information, but it becomes much more anonymous and private. And surprisingly for a person who lives their entire life so transparently and openly, I, I live a very private and, and anonymous life. In general, so you, you know very little about me in the public, aside from what I want you to know about me in the public. So, and then it's that in-between mm. bubble that gets everybody guessing and thinking. You know what I mean? There's that in-between yeah. zone. Between the private, the public, there's always that bubble. That, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a champagne bubble. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't, I, that's, 
and that's part where your art art is about making people think yeah. i always think and i think that's what's so fascinating about what you're doing is like really makes us stop and think and tanya i find this you know we always talk about you know all kinds of artists musicians poets dancers can be part of the national parks arts foundation yeah. artist in residence program but i think this takes the cake hassan is like <laughs> totally like blown out of the water in in you know a, a new art form what do you think oh, well I, I it's it's so important it has to do with you know, uh, again a sense of place a sense of time and this is you know this is part of everything that is happening in our world right now so we can't we can't deny it at all and um you know i'm wondering how the 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 difference and the similarities from you know being in a national park a government entity and um how the uh surveillance yeah. you know that kind of thing too and um and it's it's true that when we look when we look back and we're able to see from you know 1984 even what has influenced our lives we can't deny that ex, you know the external things will influence our art so hmm. well yeah. i want you to know tanya that every time we have a conversation with you in the in the space of maybe 3 hours my computer's full of ads about Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's true. Yeah, that's because your birthday, girl. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. It's the same birthday. It's special. Uh, but, you know, it is interesting when you talk about surveillance, too. And I think about, you know, all the way back to, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis and how surveillance was when, you know, you've got to think about, like, submarines and, and what they were doing in tracking and codes and um i it is really interesting you know just even how those mm -hmm. charts were made I, what do, what do you think about that part um hassan in regards to surveillance and and sound well, and like capturing it, that yeah well one of the well one of the uh, the project that i'm working on here and what i've been really interested in is this relationship between territory and surveillance, between mm -hmm. landscape and, and, and surveillance. And particularly when you look at it from the history of landscape painting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, 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 and generally, you know, we generally tend to think of the genre of landscape painting as this very innocent kind of, you know, kind of a, it's, it's hard to be political about this beautiful landscape. Well, it's actually everything, anything but innocent and, particularly the history of landscape painting in, in an American mm. context. Mm. Uh, the, many times, the reasons we painted these beautiful mountains and that beautiful landscape was not necessarily for their physical beauty, not for, not for the sublime, but for the economic value of the nickel and the iron and the copper that was in that mountain before that mountain became U.S. territory. So many of these early paintings were actually measuring and surveying of the American West, of the American ex political and, and territorial expansion. And in this expansion, by depicting it visually, and, and this is very important that these images were depicted before, uh, these American images became depicted before they became America. When those images became real, or when those images became um, uh, visible, 
That's what gave us the political and the military will to go and conquer that land and take mm -hmm. that and expand our country. So Hawaii has a very unique position in the, mm. in the history of manifest destiny of America. And particularly when you look at uh, the measuring and expanding and surveying of an expanding country, uh, Hawaii being the, the, the 50th state to join the union, the, the, the most recent. Uh, so not only now that we've expanded from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast, now we've crossed across that ocean. We went to the middle of the uh, of the Pacific on this rock, and now we're at the top of the Pacific, uh, at the top of these rocks. And you know, in in Hawaiian culture, the the, the mountaintops of every uh, every mountain is sacred of, of, of the islands. And yet, when you go to every single one of these uh, top mountaintops, every single one of them has a military or a government mm -hmm. uh, surveillance object these telescopes. Mm -hmm. Now, many of them are doing scientific research, of course, but there is a very close link between the military and the science that takes place. Uh, many of these island mountaintops you can't even get to because they're, they're restricted military access. Wow. So now, not only we've come all the way across the ocean and we're in the middle of this rock, now we've gone to the top and now we're looking outward into the sky and we're measuring that. And how this relates to say the to, to how this relates to say the cyberspace and technology, you know, when you look at uh, uh, URLs and domains, and, and even just the word domain um, linguistically, when you, when you look at say a .us, when was the last time we used a .us website? I mean, they exist, but we rarely use them. Uh, but you know, you know, we use .jps all the time, we use .uk, .au, but it's assumed with the internet, if it does not have a dot two letter country, it is American because that we own that space. We own this virtual space because it's ours. We've claimed it. Oh, wow. So there's a huge shift taking place from the old school 19th century paintings of us expanding as a country, us growing as a military and political might. And now we own cyberspace and that's, we own information. Well, and you know, when I and by the way, I just want people to know we're recording this interview on Hawaii Statehood Day, August twenty first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy that we're talking about this too, because um, when you think about there's a, I mean that was the whole how that whole thing happened is got a, it's just such a it's an intense history, and when you think about that, yes, how how you know here we are now with the sky part of it and the cyberspace. It is interesting because it's like we have international waters, right? So that, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why cruise ships can gamble. You have a, you know, yeah. a casino aboard because we have international waters. And so what happens? We own that part. So where do those lines come and go? Are, you know, yeah. how do they divide that up? Like well, up there? Well, because of, because Satellite? we have shifted in, in, in an economic and, and cultural uh, side. We've shifted where the physical property where the mm. physical territory is not where the future value is. The future value is an intellectual property, not necessarily in, in information, in ephemera, in, you know, and, and, and interestingly enough, we're seeing it in art. We're seeing it in one of the most, um, in, in a bizarre round a, a, a turn of events, we're actually seeing many artworks intellectual property have greater value than physical property. 
than a, mm. you know, like yes. that's all land. So, so I think there will be a day, there will be a day when, when intellectual property exceeds the value of physical property. And we're just starting that transition right now. Mm-hmm. And artists are at the forefront of it. I, and it's true because even if you think about music and mm-hmm. you know everything that's going on right now, because the internet is the it is the wild west when it comes to yeah. like YouTube. If you you know what music you can use on a YouTube video, and and absolutely artists need to have the, those rights. Um, but there's so much there's huge struggles over it right now. Of who knows what you know if you put something up on Facebook now it is you know uh, public domain. And so I was yeah. like, artists, you know, do people can do what they want with it once you put it out there. Right. right. Um, but then if everybody started, you know, doing that, we, we you would lose that exclusivity again, right? <laughs> you know, when I think mm-hmm. about what you've done, yeah. um, and if art, yeah, how interesting. It, it's interesting. Yeah. And this and, and this is why I think this this residency, particularly in Hawaii, in a national park, in this in in the territory of this national park within the within the landscape of the physical the physical land. This is why this is so important because this actually connects all of these threads. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're actually in Oceana. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it's it's. I know it's. Well, we have territories and national parks um, in Guam, uh, you know, the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, mm-hmm. and I think this is so interesting. With, with and a lot of that is all the military parks and. There's a lot of military history um, in our park units, but also when you're talking about the manifest destiny and you know the artists, those landscapes. Um, I mean, you even think about a lot of the photographers out there were doing surveillance. They were mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at you know surveying the land, and um, but that was part of how our park system came to be was yes. the artists that went out there and painted what was out there. That's how absolutely we got and. And and those beautiful photographs and those beautiful paintings, they were commissioned by the government. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So oh, wow. so there's a really deep history of this taking this visual representation of this majestic land and turning it into political dominance. This is fascinating. This is fascinating. Now. Do you ever do like videos of of how you like how are you gonna do this like how are you doing this I want to know how, because you're you're going up you're gonna beam yeah. up basically yes but. well a, a, a lot of the okay so uh, my work uh you know my work predominantly exists as data or as data sets or as this type of virtual information but you know. For, for most purposes, uh, an Excel spreadsheet and just raw data is kind of pretty ugly. It's not very, you know, it's not very uh, aesthetic. But I, so I also work as an artist at the same time. And I, and I realize that there are certain priorities uh, when you're working from a visual perspective. So how, did the, how does this information uh, reach the public? How is it portrayed? How, mm-hmm. how is it interpreted? Because, you know, an artist for... for Throughout history, artists have always been this interpreter of 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 their society and what's happening. Artists have always held up a mirror or held up a way of reading what's happening around us. So artists have always been at the forefront of that. 
So I find myself in that same lineage of, well, what's happening around us? What is our culture right now? So a lot of the things that we do, a lot of things we live with, you know, we, we're dealing with images, we're dealing with screens, we're dealing with sounds. So these are parts of my practice. So I, I've been doing a lot of work when I've been going out in the middle of the night here and setting up uh, near night vision cameras and, and trying to read the information. Uh, you know, what, where, say, had I been doing this 100 years ago, I would be sitting out an easel in a in plain air and painting the, the, the volcano. Uh, now, instead of doing that, I'm setting up my uh, night vision cameras and, and, and photographing that exact same scene that you would see today. Uh, and there's an interesting then and now that you start seeing also in the work. When you look at the earlier paintings and then you compare them to what the, what the geography looks at, and obviously Hawaii is a constantly changing geography. I mean, I think in the last month and a half, Hawaii has now mm -hmm. added nearly a thousand acres of land just from the right. lava overflow. Isn't that wild? That's yeah, it, I mean, it's just, just even, just, just even that concept to wrap your brain around the fact that this, this, this island is a thousand acres larger than it was a month and a half ago. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, it just—I I have to say, Tanya, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on in Hawaii, but it, it, this has been a really fascinating series this year <laughs> for Hawaii. <laughs> definitely between lava and uh, definitely the artists that have been at, at the Art B and B over there, um, which I know now there's cats, so it's a cat B and B, <laughs> the cat house. No, but um, this is this is so interesting to me how you know. Everyone, I have to say the last, you know, two artists before you there, um, they all connected with this idea of the land changing, whether it's invasive species, and then also, um, they also all connected, obviously with what was going on with the lava, but also all connected with the military history there. Um, I know it, it's just the, the lasers that were used, and things like that at night. Um, so there was this connection. So did you dig into any of that when, when you're out there? You haven't been out there that long yet. In it, no, I've, I've been here uh, almost almost uh, a month now. Uh, oh yeah, you're almost done. It, okay. It, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm but, almost done. Well, of course, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a glitch in the fact that the the park a, a big chunk of the park is closed mm. <laughs> because well. Parts of it are literally falling into the earth in, in a pit of fire. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you start thinking about what is actually happening, it's 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 pretty mind-boggling. Uh, every time that I drive over Highway 11 near Volcano, uh, near the near the crater, you you see the you see the tears in the road. You see them every day. They spray paint a new line because that's where the new crack has developed. Things wow. have settled down a little bit in the last week, but this. It is so primal and so raw of, of, of watching the earth being made. And then, of course, uh, talking to the park rangers, it's just incredibly mm -hmm. fascinating when, you know, they'll say, hey, uh, we got this rock and, it's, and this rock is one week old. Uh, the con you know, we, we, we tend to amazing. think of rocks in, in geological time as more than one week. Wow. I mean, we tend to think of them as like millions of years old, but when you hold a piece of rock that's a, a week old, uh, it, it really changes your relationship to the land. That really does. I mean, I've never even thought of that. that yeah. is, that's crazy. So when, when you knew you were going to go, 
and you saw what was going on, you know, did you want to go even more because you knew? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Of course. I I I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a complete, it's again, I think what it does here, it really challenges your sense of scale in so many ways. So it challenges your sense of scale and the time and, 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 and the fact that, you know, we talked about rocks and how millions of years and then all of a sudden this rock just exists, just came up. Uh, and then you start thinking about, oh, it's an island. And you realize, no, this actually takes a really long time to get from one point to the other point because of the topography and the, and the geology of this island. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't just drive over many of these spaces or many of these uh, roads. So it's a really unique relationship to the human, the human scale, to the land, to the landscape and where the human is situated in that landscape. And this is something that I've been really just fascinated with in my work in terms of where the human blends into the landscape and, and mm-hmm. where, and where the, and, 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 where, and what part of it is readable and what part of it is becomes camouflage where the human just blends right into the landscape. Hmm. This is fascinating. Tanya, I, I want to go back to you before I know that, you know, the big wind comes. Um, I know you've always got deadlines. Uh, so it, it's the best thing is that everyone gets your newsletter. If they go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org, um, any deadlines that people should know starting, you know, in September? Um, yes, off the top of my head, we have a couple um, uh, at Gettysburg uh, Battlefields. We have partnered with the Poetry Foundation. We'll be having a um, an event at the Library of Congress. But as far as deadlines go, um, just keep on looking because we've even had residencies that only have uh, you know a couple weeks. Uh, for applications. We've even had some up, you know, two years ago that were only up for a couple days. So I just need to to tell people to keep looking. And we are going to do another Hawaii one in the winter. And the amazing thing about this one is that um, it's a choose your own date for November, December, January, I think four months of, of you get to choose 30 days within that period. So we wanted to open it up to the academic calendar and people not on the calendar too. So um, yeah, you kind of get to choose your own, which is nice nice to choose your own adventure. So yeah. And your own, you know, one-year-old rock or 10-year-old, 10-week-old rock or something, (laughs) you know, you can see how it's changed uh, for sure. I want to thank you, Tanya. I know uh, we, I, Nancy, I both appreciate you uh, joining us because I know I know that you know things are are rapidly changing there on the wind wise uh, wind side mm-hmm. for you um, out there. We want you all to stay safe. Again, nationalparksartsfoundation.org is the site to go to, and also follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but again, get that newsletter because there's always new opportunities, and when they come, you got to jump on them uh, and and get it done. Hassan, uh, you know, there's um. Sorry to interrupt, but there's, um, if I could do a shout out for um, mm-hmm. the groups that have supported us, um, I'd love to. Uh, okay. Is that okay? Please do. I'd we like always to like that. Thank um, a wonderful, wonderful group called Creative Capital that supports artists and the um, National Endowment for the Arts. And Cindy Orlando and Laura Schuster at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, along with the rest of the staff and the Friends Group of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. So thank them, too. 
Yeah, these are all the organizations that, you know, you, and this happens like in Gettysburg too, right? You have these different endowments and endowment groups and arts groups that come in and friends of the park and that work together to make these opportunities happen. So a lot goes into it, you know, to be able to. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. thank them enough, so I thought I would sustain thanks for letting me, letting me do that. Awesome. Uh, always, no always, always. Hassan, would you go back again? <laughs> or oh, do another absolutely. Uh, you, you don't have to twist my arm to to uh, to jump in one of these because this is this is really phenomenal. And really, you know, I I, I really want to second what Tanya was saying in the, in the terms of support. Uh, you know, uh, in artists, you know, artists look for opportunities, but they also look for recognition. But they also need the support, and it is incredibly. Uh, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful for the people that made this happen and allowed me to spend this time here because this is a completely different way of working. Uh, mm -hmm. I think had I not been, had I not had this opportunity to be here, the work, this work would not have happened. And, and even just the way I'm even working, it's a very different way that I normally work. And this is what allows us to create differently. Uh, I mean, it's, and, and to come up with new ways. So, you know, I really have to thank all the people that have made this possible. So, Tanya, thank you. Thanks to the National Parks Arts Foundation and all the partner organizations, the National, the the Volcanoes Park here. I mean, everything has been really amazing, and I can't I can't stress that. And and for and for the artists that are considering applying, just keep applying. I mean, you know, just just get at it because sooner or later, it's it's going to be, you know, I mean, I, it's, I applied one, uh, I think a couple of months ago and that didn't happen, but then it, I, we did it again. And it's like, Hey, let's do this. So just, just, I think it's really just in, the encouragement is to just to keep, keep at it and keep getting the work out mm -hmm. there because that's what helps get the, that's what get, not only helps with the recognition of the work, but it actually helps you think about your own work differently. Mm, I, I agree. And, and, you know, the, the thing is like, I, I want to see, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see, everything that you do from Hawaii, but I would love to see you in Chaco Canyon. And then I'd love to also see you at Gettysburg and see what you do at Gettysburg. That would be yeah. so fascinating to see, to see you work in there. Um, you, and I, Hey, I heard that uh, Chip Beck is going to Chaco Canyon. Tanya, our, our combat artist friend will be there. Isn't that, it's true. Isn't that exciting? Um, yeah. Cool. And we're, we're like looking at our trip that we're taking to Kentucky and going, how do we make a detour to northern New Mexico? Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know detours. That's quite a detour. You can do it. You can do it. That's on the way to Kentucky. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it sounds good to me. <laughs> it's not like we drive in a straight line. No, no. Hassan, <laughs> <laughs> before you leave, um, I do want to ask, how many countries have you been to? It's like, you know, how many airplane bathrooms have you been to? Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, been, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it has to be, it has to be a hundred plus, uh, but there are, there's plenty of places that I haven't been and I would love to do more work in some of those places. Uh, yeah, yeah no, there's been a lot of, a lot of good stuff. National Parks Arts but, Foundation goes global. Woohoo. Yes. <laughs> the same. Oh, yes. It's Don't true. Try. It's entirely true. See, see, and that's the awesome. thing. Art transcends and it goes everywhere. Art doesn't have a passport problem. You know, <laughs> but, but um, again, that may change, right? Hassan, that may all change. It's changing now. So everybody, again, uh, follow Hassan, literally. Go to his website, and I'm going to spell it out. It's E-L-A-H-I, 
Now, did I did I pronounce your name correctly, Elahi? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so there it is, Elahi.org. Uh, follow him there, and uh, everyone, again, National Parks Arts Foundation. Dot org. We want to thank our listeners always joining us here on Big Blend Radio. We air Sunday through Friday. Our shows go live. Um, you can listen to them on Blog Talk uh, Radio.com. But if you go to our site, BigBlendRadio.com, you'll see the schedule, so you can link into you know on-demand episodes from the place of your choice, whether it's iTunes, TuneIn, or Spotify or iHeartRadio. It's all there, and uh, we've got music for you. Okay, we always love to play Makana. Uh, when we have our Hawaii shows here with Tanya, and this one is Hilave. Hilave. Am I am I pronouncing that correctly, Tanya? Hilave. Oh, most definitely. I, I would know, especially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilave, and it's awesome. Makana is one of the top flat key guitar players. He's an incredible, incredible human being. And uh, go to his website, MakanaMusic.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much.
And so the story is told. All eyes rest upon Hiilave. Hiilave. <laughs> 